Hmm? Ah! Oh. I want Robbie to watch while I take this gorgeous man's cock in my mouth. Pissing on him wasn't enough. I want you to come in my mouth. I'm gonna spit it on his grave. Jesus, who knew I could be so angry? Stop, 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 stop. You're right, fuck me already. Don't, don't, I can't I do I am this. trying to get my dignity back here. Hey everybody, welcome to our podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Jenny. And I'm Mr. Blog. And this is American Godcast, episode two. It's time to get going. Are you guys excited to get going on this? Yeah. This first episode, oh my goodness, it whetted my appetite for more in such a big way. Me too. Well, Jenny and I, we've got our Rocky Mountain mead here. Rocky Mountain meadery honey (laughs) wine. We're going to do a little toast. All right. And see if it tastes like diabetic piss. (laughs) Piss. (laughs) Pretty good. Yeah, I wouldn't want to go up to diabetics and be like, hey, can you piss in this cup? This yeah. is good Actually, stuff. we don't know. Yeah, it could be. Well, that is a good question. How did Mad Sweeney know that? He's into some weird stuff. Like, would you guys smoke a synthetic toad? It's synthetic. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was interesting. I might try that. Uh, before we get going, I just want to let people know I assume most of you already know, but if you want to watch this show and you haven't yet, then if you don't already have stars, you can subscribe directly to stars by going to stars.com. You get a seven day trial and then it's $9 a month after that. And if you want, you can just cancel it after two months when American Gods is over. And do you get all the other shows that they show? Like, yeah. will you be able to see back uh, episodes of Ash vs. Evil so. Dead and all yes, that? Yes, that's a good point. So if you do another incentive to sign up for stars, I think you can binge watch Ash, which is probably my favorite show that's on right now. <laughs> Maybe, well, Game of Thrones, then Ash after that. Um, if you're not in the U.S., chances are you can actually get this show if you're an Amazon Prime member. Did you know that? If you're outside the U.S. and you have Amazon Prime, you can watch it, but inside you have to subscribe yeah. to Stars. Yeah, I've heard about that. It's interesting. Well, you know, there, there, there's a reason why we're different countries. <laughs> yeah. I was complaining about that to Chris Fairhurst, who does the uh, Talking Dead podcast. He's Canadian, and he's like, you guys always get everything before us. I, like, <laughs> I guess you're right. I shouldn't whine. <laughs> All right. With that said, let's get into our top three highlights. This week, it's top three highlights for season one, episode one, The Bone Orchard. What did you guys think of this episode? Oh, man. I, like I said right at the get-go, it, it just got me so excited for what's to come. And I, 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 I really enjoyed it. I'm kind of, eh, it's pretty good. <laughs> so I'm coming from the background of someone who read the book recently. very recently. Yeah. Well, first read the book when it came out, 2001-ish, 2-ish, right? And then read the book, you know, just like a week ago. So it was fairly fresh. And went to the comic book store and bought uh, issue one. So I yeah. kind of experienced that first episode three times in a short period of time. <laughs> and so that might have not been the best strategy because, you know, at least for someone like me who really likes novelty, um, because it, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, well, I'm just kind of seeing the same story three different ways, um, which was interesting, but it wasn't like, wow, this is amazing. This is you know, puzzling this is what's going to happen. It's like, mm-hmm. well, what about just being able to, even if you're not surprised or there's no novelty, the interest of seeing how it's realized live action. Was that interesting to you? It, I mean, it, it, I thought it was, it was well done and I'll get into the details of that in our top three. Yeah. Okay. So cool. By the way, before I say what I felt, I forgot to let you guys know, cause not everyone has heard us before, probably. So we do a top three highlights. Instead, if you listen to other TV podcasts, a lot of them just go through scene by scene and give you a recap. And I always feel like, well, we're big fans of the show, fans enough that we downloaded a podcast of it, so we know what happened. So I, I think this our format is more like, hey, what if we were just all worked together and we were excited about the show and we wanted to talk about it? So kind of like that, you know, a conversation about the show versus telling you what happened, even though you already saw it. So I loved it. I, I you know, I do other TV show podcasts and it's not an easy decision to start a new one because it takes a lot of time and energy. And so I want it to be good. And this is my kind of show. 
because it's so edgy and adult and funny. It's filmic, you know, cinematic and uh, the acting and the characters are interesting and it's got some real sexiness to it and even to the point of being taboo. So I'm, I'm loving it so far. I think it's great. I'm, I'm new to the story. So, well, and this is the kind of show I'm, I'm really, really grateful that they decided to adapt this on paid cable, you know, because there are, it would not, I mean, already in this first episode, you could see how this would not work. Right. If it were just on basic cable. On ABC, you can't really shove someone into your pussy. (laughs) No. And that, oh my goodness, that was, that's one of those things that you're thinking, you know, when, when you hear they're going to make American gods into a TV show, you're like, how are they going to depict some of this? You know? Yeah. Now I keep hearing people say, how are you going to film that? And then when I was seeing that scene, I'm like, Oh, this is one of the things they're probably talking. (laughs) That is very much the, I think a number one thing thing people think about. Cause even when you read it on the, on the page, you're like, uh, what? Uh, Hmm. Wait, I got to reread that. Hold on. Yeah. That's what it said. Okay. Hmm. I couldn't believe I was seeing that. Uh, Yeah. It was quite amazing. (laughs) One thing about this uh, episode is they lead you down a a certain path and then they take a sharp left turn. And for example, I kept thinking um, Shadow was going to get hanged in the beginning when they were giving him bad news. I thought they were going to send him to death row or something, but it turned out his wife died. Well, with this, uh, it seemed like kind of a sweet meeting between two online daters. And then it started to turn weird. And then it was like... Oh my God. <laughs> You're like, you think that's weird. Hold my beer. <laughs> just, <laughs> just wait. Okay. Well, let's get into our top three. Uh, Mr. Blog, why don't you go first? Oh, all right. Uh, well, my number three is actually just the, the, that cold open that, that mm. very first bizarre scene, you know, happening hundreds of years before Leif Erikson comes to the new world. Um, I feel like it just did an amazing job of of almost like a a thesis statement of a great opening paragraph uh, in a literary style. And here you're getting the basic premise behind what this entire thing is about. And whether you even realize it or not, you're getting the sense of style that the show is going to bring. You're getting that surreal, bizarre violence that happens in just a what the hell sort of way. Uh, that I feel sets the tone perfectly for everything that's to come. Yeah. And watching that. Yeah. The imagery, the violence, the humor, all of that stuff was set. But I was, I was wondering myself, what is this accomplishing for the story? And I, I have some theories on it and I think, you know, you guys probably know because you read the novel, but I also forgot to mention at the open here, we're going to try not to spoil anything if you haven't read the novel. So this section is for people who've seen the episode, but not read the novel. But at the end of the podcast here, we're going to do another, a little spoiler section that you don't have to listen to where we're going to speculate a little bit more and talk about how it relates to the novel. So I have some theories on this scene, but I want to save it for that just in case. Here's a funny thing about the way that I first watched this accidentally um, as you know, we saw it online first, and I made the mistake of leaving um, a stars tab open, and it happened to be a tab where the buffalo thing is saying, believe, <laughs> and then this strange little music, and then believe, over and over. I left the tab open. So I watched about the first seven minutes, or six minutes of the show, where I couldn't really hear what was being said other than, believe. <laughs> <laughs> and... And Mrs. Blog and I are watching it, and I'm just like, she's like, I don't think that's right. And I'm like, no, 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 I think we're supposed to, like, believe. just watch this and believe. You know? and then finally I took a look, because it got into the prison yard, and I'm like, huh, they're still saying believe. Wow, that's a, Maybe there's, that's a bold choice. That's a bold choice. That's what I was thinking. And then I went back, and, and I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot, and that's closed hilarious. that and rewatched it again. And But here's the funny thing, that, that opening sequence worked possibly even better with believe behind it. I was like, Oh, it freaked me out, man. I'm like, yeah, I believe. Oh God, it's so violent. What's happening. Oh my God. One thing I noticed is, uh, that was in 18, Oh no, 813 CE. Yeah. And that's common era. BCE and CE are the same thing as BC and AD. 
Yep. So before Common Air and Common Air. Anyways, and then later we find out that Shadow read six books a week for three years, yeah. or 813 books in prison. <gasps> oh, nice catch. It's just the same <laughs> number. And then he also said uh, it was, he mainly read history, but also math, and that eight and 13 are Fibonacci numbers, which mm-hmm. the Fibonacci sequence is like a little spiral that gets wider and wider as it goes I out. I did not catch that. People yeah, use it for, yeah. for stock trading and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, the, I, uh, what is it? The golden, oh, the golden ratio? Yeah. yeah. refer to it. Yeah. And without, but without getting spoilery at all, I thought this scene showed that gods are cruel and demanding for one thing because they, poking out their eyes wasn't enough. They had to sacrifice and chop each other up to get the gods' attention. Yes, that was... That was my opinion. I was like, yeah, I'm not sure this was this would be a god that I would want to yeah. support. I mean, I'd prefer to look for a god with much less demanding demands. <laughs> but, you well, know, they, get into the, they got their wind. They got their wind. And they get into the whole notion of, like, they're so far away from home that their god just won't know where they're at. So it's like, hey, god, come over here. Commotion. We need your help. Yeah, so you got to make a commotion. Well, they got and, a little uh, wind with the poking of the eyes, so it was like God bit, sort yeah. of turned to... Well, did I hear something there? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then also I thought maybe it was something about the immigrant experience because they're going to this land hoping for great things and they end up getting uh, uh, this poor guy who's three steps ahead gets like 400 arrows <laughs> shot into him, <laughs> which is fucking hilarious and sad. And again, that gets into that visual, that visual yeah. style that Brian Fuller is is so well known for. Yet this, you know, and so the the previous things that I really enjoyed of his were these very nonviolent sort of stories. This one is taking. You know, I'm interested to see, like, wow, okay, that's how you're going to deal with your violence with an mm-hmm. almost Tarantino, uh, Zack Snyder esque level of of blood and and whatnot. So. That was so funny and farcical, almost to the point of Evil Dead. Tight oh, stuff, the, you know. The arm flying in the air with the yeah. sword that then kills the guy in the neck. I'm like, okay, that's just preposterous, but I yeah. loved it. And beautiful at the same time in an odd way. It was. Jenny. Yeah. Uh, my number three would probably be um, when Mad Sweeney shows up and, and, <laughs> and, and announces himself casually as a leprechaun. <laughs> and Shadow's like, you're, you're, you're a pretty big, pretty big leprechaun. He's like, oh, that's a stereotype. And, and you know, I, I do like how, you know, the, one, the show kind of not buys into stereotypes, but it's pulling on stories that are ages old, and then it mm-hmm. just twists it like that. So, I mean, I thought that was hilarious. It was awesome. There's a really huge leprechaun. He's, you know, you see a scene in which he's standing next to Shadow Moon, who's supposed to be a big character. Yeah. Um, and and he's probably a, another foot taller. <laughs> I don't know if that was intentional or if that's just how the yeah, actors I mean, are. That whole scene was about, it was great. I loved it because Shadow is such this big, imposing, strong guy. And he's uh, he's being fucked with and thrown off balance in that scene, you know, because of the leprechaun doing all these unsettling coin tricks throwing all the darts hitting the bullseye and in the same scene shadow gets tricked into being employed by this guy who he's just decided that he doesn't like very much (laughs) it was just fun to watch i thought and then the fight and everything and it was a good fight i mean i thought it was a pretty good fight and you know to see the joy in mad sweeney to fight again Mm -hmm. you know so i get that sense from from mad sweeney that that's what he 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 feeds off of, mm. and so. By the way, who wants to drink in that bar? It's how awesome does best. that place look? The Crocodile Bar, there. yeah, and the music—it's kind of this jazzy, slow rock. And they serve mead. I, I, I'm not sure if we could go to any bar and be like, "Hey, uh-huh. do you have mead? We're here to sign a contract with some Scandinavians, <laughs> and they really insist we have mead." Yeah, I wanted to be there. I totally did, even during the fight. <laughs> And and that's I'm also I'm always happy when we finally see a scene played out that you have seen like promotional material for. That's like an image that they've been, you know, since the beginning showing you like the first image of American gods, you know, Ian McShane and American gods. Here's Mad Sweeney with, you know, so it's kind of fun to finally see it played out. And it's like, oh, it looks so much better on the show than it did Mm -hmm. uh, just in a still image. You know, it makes the context was everything with that. I thought it was great. Well, speaking of look, that <clears throat> leads into my number three, which is the artistry and imagery of the show. And I thought it was so beautifully filmed, especially 
whatever filter or camera they're using or, or post-production, but it's so richly black. The blacks are so rich, but it's high contrast and the colors pop too. And it just looks really cool. And it looks like a movie and I, I can't wait dream to sequences. get it up mm. on my OLED TV. Yeah. The dream sequences with like the gnarled trees reaching up to the yeah. stars and really nice. And then, um, the violence even was with, the blood was so red. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was kind of like, you know, that's that's a little too light of a red. I was thinking the same <laughs> thing. I just, I just had blood work done yesterday, and I'm like, didn't look like that. <laughs> well, but, 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 you know, your blood work is venous blood, right? So True, yeah. So that's usually darker. Maybe that's all that arterial blood we never see because... Ooh. <laughs> it's trapped in there <laughs> and the the fighting the violence the stabbing in the arms and and the uh just him repeatedly punching the leprechaun in the face while he seems happy about it we don't know who won well we do know it seems like anyway that shadow won that fight because he ended up with a coin but it's hard to believe because that guy seemed like there's no way anybody would ever beat him in a fight Right? Well, I don't know how many people believe in leprechauns these days, much less, you know, sacrifice and worship them. So maybe he's just not as powerful as he looks. You know? <laughs> it seemed like he had the upper hand and then they cut it because right when he came up and said, uh, it's not over until I say it's over. And the next scene you see Shadow in the back of the car just suffering, but he's got the coin. So and that's what they were fighting for. So I assume he won. I think winning that fight just boils down to Mad Sweeney's satisfaction. Okay. Not an actual win or loss or any mm-hmm. of that. Just... Okay, thank you. You've you've pleased me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then the music. There were mm. some great songs, I go I go and in the pines, like new versions of those. There's one I really liked during the Viking scene, tribal chanting with the wall underneath. I'm yeah. gonna play a little bit of that. I heard that and all I could think was believe a <laughs> <laughs> couple other things there's storm there's shadow tells his wife he feel something feels weird the weather like the air is constipated and if it would just push out a storm it'd be okay then there's storming that line <laughs> yeah and then there's storming through a lot of it that night in fact and in the plane as shadow talks to mr. Wednesday and there's all these rolling clouds and storms through all of it. So I feel like that's going to mean something. And then there was a lot of noose imagery. At first, you thought he would be hanged because, or at least I did, because that skeevy prisoner guy was like, this country went to hell when they stopped hanging people. And then you see his Shadow says he feels like there's an axe hanging over his head. And we see these tough other prisoners looking menacingly at him. And one of them has a rope shaped like a noose and then he dreams of a noose dropping down from one of these trees that's attacking him and then it seems like oh that's all misdirection but then at the end he actually does end up getting strung up by this techno gods drone people (laughs) (laughs) so I wondered if there's you know this is I think playing on American tropes as well as mythological so that whole thing about hangings and things goes back to racism in this country is that going to play into the story that kind of thing maybe (laughs) (laughs) anyway shall we go to the spoiler section (laughs) not yet (laughs) we'll wait we'll wait but i I found it highly intriguing and i love i'm sure we'll talk about this more i won't say too much but i love the main character he's an unusual protagonist but i like that okay eric all right. Well, my number two, That's this is a perfect tie-in to what you were just saying, because my number two is actually uh, the cast thus far and the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm loving everybody that we've already met so far. Ricky Whittle, uh, who is playing Shadow Moon, I thought, as you just said, he's, he's, he's absolutely compelling on screen. And I find myself really just like, I, I love the, the quiet nature that he brings. And, and there's this... Uh, like that he was talking about with the storm, uh, like his rage feels constipated. Like you, you know, it's got to be there right under the surface. And you saw it come out a little bit when his fight with Mad Sweeney. Yeah. 
but he knows how to keep every everything contained. Even at the airport, when um, God, that woman from Men in Black. That's like I saw her, and I'm like, oh my god, that's the woman from Men in Black. The the woman at the the airline counter, the one whose husband turned yeah. into the Edgar suit, whatever. She says you need a you need a death certificate to fly to your funeral and it can't be a copy. Well, how the hell are you supposed to get it? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. That's pretty ridiculous. So, but then he goes back to, to the, as you put him, the skeevy guy in prison reminding him, you know, don't piss off the, the right. bitches oh. at the airport. The bitches Who at happens the airport, to be at the so. airport too, which is interesting. I think that was just his, um, a hallucination. Okay. That was the, yeah. the show's way of him, of him thinking about that. Uh, going well, you know how to- things always trigger you. So for, for Shadow, every time he goes to an airport, he's just going to see this guy. Probably, yeah. <laughs> the bitches um, at the but I thought he, <laughs> I thought he was amazing. I think Ian McShane is Wednesday. So good. He's always great. Right? So much Ian fun McShane to watch. Is always great. You know what? I I saw him in Kings, and he was the king, and he was great. But in this, I liked him so much better because it was so fun to watch him be in command and act all con manny and everything. He did such a good job at it. I thought. Yeah, I think in Kings, I didn't see that, but I, I mean, I he's a pol- he's a politician, really. right? So he's yeah. There's he has to like it's at least statesman. fake being straight and narrow, and here he can just like go all out. Well, and of course Al Swearingen. So we've we've seen. I didn't see that though. Oh, you've never seen Deadwood? Uh, okay. Maybe bits and pieces. Yeah. Yeah. So the, this this most certainly has a bit of an Al Swearingen uh, swagger to it shall we say that but again very contained that's what i'm enjoying about this is everything does feel held in at the moment you know like that air uh, like that constipated sky <laughs> but the entire cast i enjoyed this uh bruce langley fellow the guy who showed up as i don't know is saying their name considered a spoiler even if we didn't hear i the, think the tech okay, yeah fair the, enough, the tech guy say the, techno guy Sure. Um, the ones smoking the synthetic toad skins and yeah, uh, he was good. Just creepy as all hell, and I was like, oh. He reminded me a little bit of um, Frodo. Uh, <laughs> what's the guy's name that played Frodo? Uh, the, the Elijah Wood. I always forget his name. Yeah, just because mm-hmm. he plays a lot of creepy roles like that. I can see that. Oh well, uh, Eternal Sun, Eternal. And he was in yeah. Sin City. Movies. Yeah, Sin City. Yeah. And then, just moving on here, Yatide Batiki. I'm sure I'm, Badiki, I'm sure I'm saying that name totally. Yatide Badiki, the woman who plays Bilquis. Mm-hmm. Short little time she was on there, but I love that performance. And it was just so, and it was so great to see the way that they did the aging thing, how they made her look so much older. And then once she sucked the dude in, she looked so much younger. You know, I wonder about that. I was like, so was was that just like no makeup? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> that's it. That's just no makeup, bad lighting, and that's it. And we can look like that. And then we just put a little bit of makeup, good lighting. We can look. I'm like sure that. she demanded to have the makeup artist actually do some work. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think, would hope so. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I did think during that scene in which I she was like, "Oh, do I look spent?" And I was like, "Actually, you look pretty good. Yeah, you could probably put on some makeup, but you look pretty good." <laughs> um, but, well, he yeah. said, what did she say? Uh, she was the sexiest thing he's ever touched for free for or free, without paying yeah. for it. I think something like that. And then then rounding it all out here, Pablo Schreiber, the Mad Sweeney, who who was just... These people were all fun to watch. Yeah, They are fun on screen to watch. And, and that, for me, that can make or break a, a characterization of anybody if they're just not fun to watch. So Even the, the bartender lady was good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. One time I was at a work party of Jenny's here and one of your uh, I think colleagues. colleagues or the wife of a colleague or somebody said, oh, you look like the guy from Deadwood. And I was like, oh, Tim Oliphant. And she's like, no, no, the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> now she was an older lady and so she No was, she wasn't. She was a young lady. <laughs> and I think you know, I mean I think it was Ian, like twenty five. <laughs> Ian McShane has been around for a while and he's done some BBC stuff when he was younger. So you should watch those. You know, I'm sure she was referring also to you know, when he was a She said Deadwood. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but thanks for trying to save me there. All right, what's your number two? Um well, actually, what 
what Mr. Blog spoke about was my number one. So I might riff on that a little bit mm-hmm. more, which is uh, the the side. Well, the the the. I want to say minor actors, but the supporting mm. actors and mm. actresses. Um, I mean, this is a great series for supporting actors and actresses because it's going to have all these little stories, all of these yeah. little side characters, and they all have very rich stories because, given you know, they're they're going to be gods or they're going to have their own experience. And so, I think this is a great show for short roles. Bill Quist was one. Uh, Matt Sweeney is another, or uh, the technical boy. There was also even just for the non-gods like. Uh, Audrey, the wife of the man yeah. who had a had a little uh, penectomy performed on him when he died. Um, I found her to be caustic, but it well, was understanding because of what she'd been through, and also she was really funny. Right. Well, I, I just she thought like a here's a woman who has yeah. Yeah. successfully come across as being both sympathetic and annoying as hell. Yes, you know? yeah. and funny and funny. You know, um, you know, staring at her, saying, oh, "Is that Botox on her lips or not?" and you know, you know, so, you know, she somehow makes you kind of classify her as something. But at the same time, she can switch to someone who's truly mm-hmm. grieving. And you're like, oh. really quick. Yeah. Right. She said uh, she was kind of needling him. I forgot what. And then she goes, I'm sorry for your loss. And she, you could tell she really meant it. And then she wanted to give him a hug. And then you could tell she got turned on. So the actress was really good at portraying her experiencing those emotions in the moment versus having that all planned out, I thought. Right. I don't think she had it planned out. And and that's a small role, and yet it's a meaty one. And so I just liked how there's a lot of those little meaty roles throughout. It, it, it kind of counterbalances Shadow Moon. I mean, I I know you guys think he's really intense, but I think he's kind of the straight guy to this whole series. Oh, you know, absolutely. He, he has no, to be, absolutely. you know, solid and, like, kind of serious most of the time. He's a little Unsettled, perturbed. But, but, yeah. Yeah, so... So he kind of has to be this stability throughout the story, yeah. um, which can sometimes be a little boring, at least in comparison to Matt Sweeney and, and Audrey. Yeah. yeah. So, But it's good that they have somebody like Aubrey to, or Audrey, I don't know which one it is, to, to juxtapose that. So really it makes both, you know, both feel extra highlighted. Instead. And, and the fact that he is able to maintain his composure after hearing all that, Oh my God! You know he does get pissed at, at his wife. You know he's he's yelling at her right before she shows up, but he puts on that mask, as it were, and you know to uh, the tough guy or whatever it is. I even love it when he loses his cool in the national park, just to let it out. You know, so so we are seeing him release some of this, but he seems to have that control enough to be able to like, no, no, I won't let you give me a blowjob. I won't have sex with you right here on my wife's grave Oof, <laughs> yeah but he i see what you're saying he he it's just like they always say in the batman movies the the villains are more interesting than playing batman oh, you yeah. know the actors sure. would rather play the villains because they're colorful and interesting and batman is just a force for justice you know? I'm batman. <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's a scene in the, in the godfather the original godfather where michael corleone is there's a, a stressful situation and he's with somebody who's in that stressful situation who's not used to it. And he goes to give him the, the, the stressed out guy is trying to light his cigarette, but his hands are shaking too much. And Michael does it for him and he looks down and he realizes his hands are still as can be. And that's kind of what that reminded me of just that. No, I got this sort of thing. I like that. He, you know, typically you have an every man in this role and he's not really an everyman because he's a big beefy dude who was just in prison. So he's playing the everyman role, but he's he's a little more interesting than some of like he's no Arthur Dent from no. Hitchhiker's Guide, you yeah. know, who's yeah. the straight man in that. <laughs> okay. My number two is just how funny it was. Darkly funny, like morbidly. And that tone was established right away when the immigrants, the uh, I guess Vikings mm-hmm. came and they're dreaming of fat breasted women, but their dreams turned to bread and roasted meat. Even a salad would do. <laughs> <laughs> and then the guy gets shot full of arrows and I just thought it was hilarious. And then later it was time to leave this accursed land, but their sails hung flabby as grandmother's teat. <laughs> then there was the tall leprechaun and the stereotype. I'm just reading off a couple things that I thought were 
were funny. When I really genuinely laughed out loud was when um, the leprechaun guy is needling Shadow into fighting and whacks him on the head with a newspaper that has the article about his wife dying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was Smells really like death or whatever. Yeah. Whack. <laughs> like, fuck you. And then uh, Mr. Wednesday says, uh, sex rushed into tends to work out best for all. or the title at one point it says somewhere in america and you see the skyline and then it pans down and you see the hollywood sign yeah (laughs) it's like where where could that be (laughs) techno guy smoking a synthetic toad skin and then audrey you're right it's audrey she's like dickless piece of shit that's not an epithet that's a literal description (laughs) an eye for an eye a blowjob for a blowjob I want you to come in my mouth and I'm going to spit on his grave. And then he's like, no, stop, stop. I can't do this. He's she's like, Hey, I'm trying to get my dignity back here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. That was great. <laughs> That's probably my favorite line in the movie <laughs> or in the show. All right. Mr. Blog. Well, all right. That again, bleeding right out of yours. Uh, my number one, my, my number one is kind of a bigger bigger tent. I mean, pretty much what we've been talking about this entire time, but clues, hints, and mysteries. You know, we have a whole lot of little tidbits that if you were to dig just below the surface a little bit, you could figure out some of what's going on. But that would require, I guess, knowing what to dig for, you know, sort of a thing. But it's so much is there, and it, and it's so much fun to see that and to want to play around with that and again this wedding of the appetite for what's to come is is it's kind of present already and it's nice here's one that i thought was interesting they took uh he had that coin and he threw it on Mm -hmm. his wife's grave and it sunk into the grave i feel like that's something certainly something (laughs) special about that coin you know it might be something special about that coin uh but just about Wednesday and about yeah. you know what he? they've been hinting about in the way Mad Sweeney uh, talked to Shadow, like what is how much has he told you? You know what do you right. know? Kind of a thing. And I'm presuming since this is called American Gods that he is a god or related to a god, but at this point we don't know for sure. Yeah, <laughs> we don't know. I mean, who the hell and what is Bilquis? You know, uh, there are all these we, little things we could in Google here. It. <laughs> well, Shall we absolutely. <laughs> Yes, you can, and you can go to Wikipedia, and you can <laughs> Wiki Bilquis. Is that a name of an established? I do not recognize the name. Um, it is. I I know they refer her to by another name later in the book, which okay. I do recognize. Mm-hmm. But when uh, when this name first came up, I was like, I have never heard of this. <laughs> Wednesday as well, right? I mean, these are all. Yeah. These are all. You know, I don't know about Mad Sweeney, but um, maybe there's something there. <laughs> well, he said he's a leprechaun, so I guess we, you know, he's he's at least pretty out about it. So. Right. And I don't doubt that Neil Gaiman has a library that is probably the most extensive of mythological oh yeah. <laughs> references that you could possibly have. Well, and even for the, you know, Jenny, you and I talked about this last week. I mean, anybody who's even read Sandman will recognize hints of what's going on just in that alone. So, or if you know your mythologies, then you will know certain things that's that's going on. But it's it's, I think they're doling it out very very well. I don't feel like, um, well, it, in a way, you almost feel like you're being uh, hustled, much the way Wednesday would like you to feel. And I, I like that. Like like think about Legion, right? The first episode of Legion, they want you leaving that first episode feeling like you are schizophrenic, not knowing what the hell is going on. With this one, I feel like we are supposed to be somewhat in Shadow's position, not quite knowing what's going on, but maybe you can start figuring it out. That's all. That's my number one. Jenny. My number one was still kind of related to my number two, just the small stories, um, the little little side stories here and there that he throws in. You know, for people with uh, short attention spans, it's nice to sometimes veer away from the main story and just kind of go on this little tangent, which knowing Neil Gaiman will be tied back into the main story. Um, oh, yeah. But it adds to the richness and the, and the depth and just the variety. So, you know, you've got the Norse stories written by some dude with glasses. What's up with that, right? Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. then um, we've got Bilquis, the story of Bilquis, which so far has not connected at all with right. the main story. But, you know, you know it will at some point. So I just like how there's a lot of little stories there to keep you on your toes. And they're all 
uh, of a wide variety. Um, the Bilquist story, yes, I mean, I don't think this is a spoiler, but um, Neil Gaiman does have a soft spot in his heart for um, for sexual goddess <laughs> worship. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, because uh, he has pointed out, like, we don't have that anymore. In the past, you know, there would be, you know, prostitutes and mm-hmm. and fertility goddesses and all that stuff. Like, we don't. It's probably because of the Judeo-Christian background, but we don't worship fertility, sex, and all that stuff. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I just read this book, The Art of Asking, by Amanda Palmer, mm-hmm. who's his mm-hmm. wife. And she has been an artist her whole life. And she, a, a performance artist. And she started by dressing up in this bridal costume and standing on a milk crate and painting her face white in Harvard Square and handing out flowers to people and uh for you know they'd throw coins in her little basket or whatever and she she then she's in the dresden dolls where she dresses up in white face and just looks like someone you might see at burning man or something like that and i i feel like what you're saying right now about neil gaiman liking to have these sex goddesses to worship that he found the perfect woman. Like at first I was, I was like, how did these two end up together? But watching this show, it's like, she's a character that stepped out of one of his books. <laughs> yeah. I can see that. Yeah. They had even, um, I forget what museum it was, but they were able to like shut down a particular little gallery in a museum so that he could just sketch her in the nude in this museum. <laughs> like, all right, well, why not? That's romantic. Know? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, well. Okay, uh, my turn, right? My number one is the gods. And I feel like it's pretty safe to say that we've seen at least two gods in this episode, one of whom is Bilquis. And that scene, it it was so impactful that I feel like it bears talking about even another time. Joel Murray, who played Fred Rumson on Mad Men, was the guy found Bilquis on a dating site, which I think is cute. And I loved his character. He's earnest. And I also like that when a show I feel like has the courage to show uh, nudity with people who aren't perfect or uh, conventionally beautiful like him, (laughs) (laughs) because it shows that they respect us as people who can appreciate it. Everyone doesn't have to be perfect. You know, we're not going to go ooh and turn off the TV or something like that. You know, <laughs> it's an artistic scene and I could see people going, Oh my God, I can't watch a show like this, you know? And I felt a little bit, um, I don't know, off put by it. Like, Oh my God, what am I seeing here? But it was also fascinating and I couldn't tear my eyes away. I felt bad for him. He was subsumed into her And it was interesting how he started quoting that sounded like something that wouldn't come from him. Daughter of the South, storm queen on a throne of honey, secret owner of all gold. I worship your cunt. I offer you everything. It's like he was possessed. Like first he was saying he worshiped her of his own accord because he thought it was a funky sex thing. Mm -hmm. But then he's, he got possessed and then he got subsumed into her and, I'm like, what do we think about her after all of this? I I think she's a little high maintenance, (laughs) (laughs) maybe, but it was, it was an amazing scene. And then later a shadow uses this first class airplane kit to shave and clean up. He sees fuck God and come hard on scratched on the screen. It made me think (laughs) of that scene. Then the other God is tech, this technology. I guess we can say his name. What did you say it was? The technical boy. Technical boy. Yeah. Mm hmm which was really fascinating the for one thing every once in a while it would shift to a visual style where his face is like little bits of morphing clay almost it made me think of peewee's playhouse <laughs> it did that stop motion well i think that was supposed to be like shadow getting a bit of a contact high okay yeah i could see that he was getting very disoriented as he kept blowing the smoke in his face right. and he looked up at him and he saw that okay and i was thinking like oh it's like dmt or something yeah <laughs> and uh, it was great audio design to these crackling buzzes and blips and things like that. And I love, yeah, that he said the smoke smelled like an appliance fire. <laughs> yeah. Like ozone or something. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's everything about him is completely synthetic. Right. You know, his guards come up out of nowhere and these wonderful pixelated little things where they don't, they're faceless, you know, minions. And that, uh, that's kinda like comments, people who make comments online. Yeah. And disappear. I did notice yeah. they had a spine when they were being destroyed 
one of them had a spine. That's right. I was like, hey, oh, yeah. you have a spine. And blood and everything. <laughs> That's true. Um, so he says, blood. Uh, Wednesday is history, forgotten and old. We are the future, and we don't give a fuck about him or anyone else like him anymore. They're consigned to the dumpster. We have reprogrammed reality. Language is a virus. Religion is an operating system. Prayers are just so much fucking spam. The dominant fucking paradigm shadow, that is the only important thing. Mm-hmm. So he he's pretty clearly Wednesday's enemy, and he's trying to get information from shadow because he knows that shadow was, is recently employed by him. It kind of sounds like our five-year-old talking about how much better he is than the other five-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> he did seem pretty immature. And then what about this ending? So he was hanging there and then it, it looked like the rope split of its own accord, but then there was some violence happening. So it seems like bit. someone came in and intervened. Possibly. One would think. I I think so. But we don't really know. Yeah, I don't don't think somebody gets cleaved in half on their own. Just by (laughs) (laughs) themselves. Okay, any extra notes or anything else? Not that I have. Mm. Uh, I think we did a great job of covering a lot of ground on this one. That buffalo with Mm. the believe buffalo. (laughs) Marcy Brinker is one of our longtime listeners on other podcasts she t- i knew she was an artist but she told us recently that she decided to become an artist i think because of this book and she wanted to paint that buffalo and she just recently finished her painting of it and i put it up on our facebook facebook.com slash godpod it looks really good it's awesome yeah, yeah. i yeah. like it it's, it's really cool so marcy you should get that fractured <laughs> Which might tell you that maybe that buffalo is significant. Right, right, exactly. All right, that's it for me, too. I think you're right. I think we covered it well. Let's take a little break. There's more to come. Stay with us. My grandma and your grandma sitting by the fire. My grandma told your grandma, gonna set your flag on fire. Talk about A now, A now. I go, I go, All right, we're back. It's time to talk about our sponsor for this podcast. That is Fracture. Fracture is one of my favorite companies. They sponsor some of our other podcasts. They produce this really cool product that I have several of. I actually found this before I ever got them as a sponsor. Loved it so much that I contacted them and started gushing about it. And then we've had a relationship ever since. Well, what is it? Well, it's a new way to get your photos out of your phone, uh, off your computer and displayed on your wall. And it's the kind of thing where you want to use the photos that you care about the most, the ones that you that look really cool or have moments that you want to remember. And you go to their site, FractureMe.com, upload it, and they send you your photo printed on a pane of glass. And you can get it in various different sizes. It's printed right on the glass. And it's really vibrant and the colors really pop and it's this like elegant lasting product. They're just beautiful. And another thing about them is they make really good gifts. These days, I think I feel like it's so easy to get whatever you want at at the touch of a fingertip. Just go to Amazon and order whatever you want that it's hard to figure out what to get people for gifts. But especially for relatives or friends that you've shared moments with Mother's Day. Yeah, Mother's (laughs) Day is coming up. Just get a picture that this per you know this person would like. Have it fracturized, and they're gonna love it, right? You guys both have experience with these. Any words on on this? I mean, I just like how how convenient it is. It's it's like it's ready to hang outside, you know, right out the box. You know, you don't have you, you yeah. get a, you get a picture printed out, and you're like, okay, I got to frame it, or got to figure out take it to, to the shop or something. Right yeah. here, it's just like here you go, and it's got nice glass. It's it's got a modern contemporary feel because it's basically, you know, the print on glass. Um, so, I mean, as someone who is extremely lazy and busy, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, I find it a perfect way to give photographs. It's embarrassing for me how long it took me to realize where the name came from. Fracture, which is uh, just a combination of frame and picture, because that's exactly what it is. Yep. It's just a picture. It's already got a frame built in. Um, I, I love it. I'm actually looking at the one fracture that I have here in uh, Blog Studios. 
it's the under the comic covers artwork hanging on my wall and it, and it looks really really cool it, it's nice to see like you just said something pop off of my phone onto my wall and and i have in the past giving these given these as mother's day gifts to my mom and trust me any mother or grandmother will love a picture of uh, you and or your spawn on a fracture so if you want to get one of these you can go to fractureme.com slash podcast and you'll get 10 percent off if it's your first order and just select American God cast on there and you'll get 10% off. So that again, that's fractureme.com slash podcast. And thanks to fracture for your support. All right, let's move on to some news news about American gods, a little bit on the history of bringing this show to the screen. This is from an article on AV club. Basically the novel came out in 2001 and ever since then directors had approached Neil Gaiman about doing a movie, but he didn't really know how to condense it into two hours or even film some of it. So nothing ever happened. Then around 2011, he got a deal with HBO, but then by the time they handed in their scripts, the executive who had been excited about it and brought it in was gone. And the, uh, the other people left were like, we don't really know what this is and we don't get it and we don't like it. <laughs> and so uh, he says they did two drafts and a polish and then HBO gave them the rights back. It ended up on stars with Brian Fuller, who's known for, as you've said, Eric, creating these visually rich things and also loved the book. So it seems like it ended up in the right place. The same article says that Ricky Whittle, who plays Shadow Moon, didn't finish reading the novel until filming season one because <laughs> Michael Green and Brian Fuller told him, don't read the book. It's affecting your performance. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I could see how it would. Yeah. Like, That's not the character we want for TV. He said, you don't want a man who thinks every week. Shadow was very blasé and quiet in the book, and that's just not going to work for the adoption. So that that's suggesting that maybe they're actually changing some things for the for the show. He says we needed him to kind of fight and more friction with Mr. Wednesday. All right, this is from an article on tvguide.com from creators Brian Fuller and Michael Green. They say, when I spoke to Ricky Whittle last week, he revealed the season finale is something that isn't actually pulled from the book. How many changes like this can fans expect to see? Green says, even in things that are familiar from the book, it should be surprising to fans how we went about it, taking it from paragraph to screen. And there are expansions of the things that they do expect, just as there are illustrations of things between the things. So it should be surprising for people who know the book just the same. And Fuller says, if we've done our job right, those sequences will feel like chapters that fell out of your copy when you shook it too hard. So I'm really excited about that because, yeah, because you know when I saw the first episode, I was like, this is pretty much straight from the book. It's the chapter that's still in the book. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I you know I'm kind of excited to hear that it's going to be a little different. I I guess if I was a huge fan, I might not be excited, but I I'm, I'm a flexibly huge fan. It's like what they do with Walking Dead. Yeah. Yeah, where they sometimes stray. I don't think they're going to stray as much on this show, I get the feeling, but at least some. I think the nature of the story in itself kind of lends itself to being able to, again, these little secondary stories. I have a feeling that's what we're going to be able to play around with a little bit. Um, kind of like playing a big, uh, a big uh, RPG video game, a big open world game, right? You can do the main quest all you want. But it's kind of fun to do these little side quests along the way, and I bet that's how they're going to tweak yeah. with it. That the main story will probably still be more or less on on rails, but we can play with other things, and and I think that it lends itself very well. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well. In TV parlance, the writers say, "Yeah, we we want to make a meal out of it." There you we go. Take a little piece of something, <laughs> and make a meal out of it. And then finally, Neil Gaiman and Brian Fuller on ComicBook.com. Neil Gaiman says, I'm hoping this, that the success of American Gods will show Time Warner that maybe something as huge and shapeless and strange as Sandman would be best suited to television. Fuller was quick to say he'd be up for it. Those comics are so filled with so much story and so much humanity and such visual candy. Try to stop us if we have half the opportunity, he said. Oh, I would love that so much. If it, if it was done well on something like HBO or Stars at this point, um, it, that could be amazing. He's saying Warner Brothers is has struggled to get a Sandman movie off the ground, and it's 
I, I can't tough. see it as a movie. I right. just cannot no. see it as and a movie. Here's what he do says. not do a movie. The trouble with Warner, and I don't blame them for it, is that they know Sandman is one of the jewels in their crown, and they know that with the jewels in your crown, you make movies out of them. And they know they have Batman. We know what we have in Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and Sandman. We just can't crack Sandman. And then he goes, well, you can't crack it because it's too big. <laughs> so they should just make a TV show out of it. Yeah, TV show makes TV shows make big yeah. money too, man. <laughs> All right, that's it for the news. Now we're going into listener feedback. So because we are watching these episodes ahead of time, we won't have a chance to get your feedback on the current episode. So our listener feedback section will be feedback from last week's episode. Right now, that means it's about the first episode of this podcast that we did, which was kind of just an introduction to the series. And we talked about the novel. Our first one is from Enya Nicole. Hey folks, great podcast. Jesus does make an appearance in the 10th anniversary edition. It's short, but it's there. And the 10th anniversary edition is literally the author's preferred text. If you're going to read it or reread it, that is the edition to go with. I did not know that, but I am not going to reread it because that would be the fourth time I've read the story. <laughs> Laura Will Swink says, wow, my podcastica cup runneth over with the... Girl with all the gifts. Oh, girl with all the gifts. G W A T G review on T W D C <laughs> and the first episode of American Godcast. Um, yay! All the talk about Neil Gaiman <laughs> and Sandman, my first foray into indie comics back in the eighties and nineties, has gotten me pumped for American Gods. I knew the basic premise of this story, but never read the book. Jenny, you are my peoples. I grew up reading hours of Bullfinch's mythology and the original Grimm's fairy tales as a kid. And Mr. Blog, I concur with your assessment of Neil Gaiman. I met him back in the early 90s at a small comic book store at a small signing. He was so warm and pleasant and easy to talk to for a starstruck 18-year-old. And Good Omens is a fantastic book. I highly yes. recommend Jason read it. It's an easy and fun read. I read complicated books, too. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. All right, I should check that out. I saw Thanks Neil Gaiman at Comic-Con uh, Back in the nineties, wow! Oh, when man. when when it was like a small little affair right. in San Diego, With actual comic book. Oh, there were tons of comic books. It was all about comic books. There were like very little TV stuff or movie stuff. So how was it? Uh, it was it was fun, but it was still. It was I mean, still, I mean, Neil, how was it? Oh, he yeah, he was just a nice, quiet guy with sunglasses. Oh, that was back when he was wearing sunglasses all the time, like mm, indoors yeah, yeah. in his photos. And I remember being kind of like, "Do you have an eye?" problem <laughs> is there some ophthalmological disorder i am not aware of was his hair pretty long then yes too? his hair was long yeah if you yeah. go to his site now he looks totally cool he's kind of a little bit you know of an older worn guy but he's got this great beard and he looks kind of he's got a beard now? Old, yeah oh wow i think okay. he's i think he's shaved it recently actually the beard was there for a while he always looks cool neil gaiman is one of those he's guys just He's just a cool guy. He's even got cool dogs and a cool wife. And uh, yeah, yeah, everything about him is cool. <laughs> I want to go to his house and see if he's really that cool. No, <laughs> uh, I don't know how cool he is towards trespassers, though. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, hey, buddy, come on in. We'll smoke a toad. Uh, Mar Marcy Brinker says, I really enjoyed this. I debated the same thing about rereading again and ended up in Mr. Blog's camp. I have read it more than once, but not recently, and hoping that my recall will be fuzzy enough to really make the show enjoyable. Next one's from Mark Anthony Miranda. Hi, Mark Anthony. Uh, that's the guy we hung out with and yep. met. Yeah. Between American Gods, Outlander, and Ash vs. Evil Dead, $9 a month doesn't sound too bad. I will really have to consider it. So if you heard that, that probably means you got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've been curious about Outlander, so that, that should be interesting. Mm -hmm. but, okay. Also, The Missing is on Stars. just saying. Oh, Great I show. didn't know that. Hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, Mike Mulcahy. I apologize if I've mispronounced your name, Mulcahy. Um, I just started reading American Gods finally about a week ago, following along with Alastair on Point North Media on YouTube, where he does these book club-like sessions on it. Very good. And I'm extremely excited to hear that you'll be podcasting on the show adaptation. As I mentioned, we'll have a little spoiler section at the end, but for now, that's our show episode two thanks for listening everybody if you want to get in touch you can email us at godpod at podcastica.com you can find us on the web at facebook.com slash godpod 
And be sure to check out our other shows at podcastica.com. Do it. (laughs) (laughs) Believe. Okay, spoilers. Spoilers. People who don't want to hear anything. There isn't much, but, you know, if you haven't read the novel, I'm going to read a synopsis about next week's episode, and then I'm going to ask (laughs) these guys just a couple of questions about the novel. So stop reading, stop listening right now if you don't want to hear that. So next week, episode two, it says, bye. Thank you. It says, uh, (laughs) the secret of spoons is the title. It says, as Mr. Wednesday begins recruitment for the coming battle, Shadow Moon travels with him to Chicago and agrees to a very high stakes game of checkers with the old Slavic god, Zernobog. (laughs) Uh, That sounds awesome. I guess this is going to be a traveling show, it seems like. Oh, it's a road movie. Traveling. It's a road road trip. Yep. And, uh, Mr. Wednesday says, that's my day, Wednesday. Wednesday is the day of Woden. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm assuming he's Odin. <laughs> uh, you would be assuming correctly. Okay. And, yes. I mean, and even the very beginning, you know, that opening with all the Vikings. I mean, um, they talk about the All-Father, another name for Odin. Yeah. Uh, of course, he's also known as Odin One-Eye, so he is missing uh, an eye which is the one that they all, you know, right eye, which they all poked out. Even on the plane, he mentions that. He says uh, he's got a good eye for yeah. things, and he taps. He goes, at least one, one eye or something like that, this one. There was something else I wanted to ask you about that beginning scene. So mm-hmm. it says over 100 years later when Leif the Fortunate, son of Eric the Red, came back, he found his god waiting alone. That yeah. sounds like to me that when those guys came over there, they either created this god by doing all those rituals or they at least uh, drew him to that land? Yeah. I mean, that's basically yeah. They worshipped yeah. him. They gave him sacrifice and that gave him sustenance. Okay. And so he could exist. Because it's like what um, Mr. Wednesday was saying on the plane about how the plane is flying because of faith and belief. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like that, right? Yeah. And when you... And this is, this is something that Gaiman is... Again, when I talk about with Sandman really being... This is a huge thing in Sandman. That, um, yes, there are things that exist beyond everything else. And that's the endless. So you got death and dream and all that. But below that, you do have gods. But gods can only exist so long as there's somebody there to believe in you. Okay. And when... But planes will fly no matter what. That kind of bugged me a little bit. Well, he asked them. He said, you know, so what is (laughs) it? Is that belief? Is that is that belief or is that Newton? You know, Newton. Um, and there, there's a wonderful thing in Sandman actually that that I I do love this one little section where they're really talking about this about um, what gives something power that belief. It's 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 great. So uh, I and that's what I was even saying. This was such a thesis statement in that very beginning. Is I feel like they do kind of lay out so much about what the story is. And the backbone to it, that, that was mm-hmm. just wonderful. Yeah. Aside from that, as far uh, this episode, how does it compare just in general? Mostly I'm asking Jenny because you just read with the novel. Is there anything of interest that's different up to this point? Or? There, there are little tweaks here and there. It's, it's um, like the dream sequences are really huge. I mean, they're, in they're, the novel? No, no, yeah. no. They're a lot bigger in this episode than they are in the novel right now, okay. at least for chapter one. I mean, he mm-hmm. gets more dream sequences later, but so I remember being kind of like, wow, this is very trippy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, there are little details like um, like the Bilquis section. Um, mm-hmm. you, you get this like kind of dad character that she met on Tinder. In in the book, uh, she's she's a $2 whore on the street. Okay. And, yeah. and he's this asshole producer that picks her up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, it actually makes her a little less sympathetic on the TV show. He was that, an a- yeah, he was kind of nice on the show. Yeah, you're just yeah. like, oh, man, he's, his, parent, his kids are going to be like, where's dad? <laughs> 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 he wanted him to get out more and now he's missing. <laughs> right. Well, and I think, <laughs> he's dead. And with all the new, with all the modern stuff, I think there are going to be a few yeah. tweaks to it. Simply the 16 year difference. Right. Yeah. In technology is so, so very different. And I bet you that'll that was fun for them to oh we got to rethink this you know I think that's where they're going to see a lot of tweaks yeah. to it yeah so I did wonder like can you track backtrack someone's Tinder work Tinder activity if they go missing <laughs> yeah I bet you could probably yeah but what are they going to do I mean she just be like mm-hmm. 
we had a drink and then he went home <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm, I'm sure she has a throwaway account they're not gonna yeah. be able to drink. Yeah. Um, she's a god <laughs> another thing was um uh the audrey scene is was a lot more fleshed out um mm. she really didn't have that much um I mean, I mean, it wasn't that big a role. It wasn't, you know, there was no blowjob offer. <laughs> oh, she didn't try to. <laughs> no, no, she she was just like angry at at um, the wife, and that was it. Okay. And this is one of those things I was really happy about because I completely forgot about the infidelity thing. So that was a wonderful surprise for me. All right, that's great. Thanks, you guys. Fun. We'll be back next week, everybody. All right. All right. Bye. See you next week. Believe.